Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. How's everybody doing today? So I'm going to tell you a little story that I had never told you guys before. Um, I... uh, my, uh, my first professional job, uh, I was an HR director. Does everybody know what an HR director is? Like you hire people and, and yeah. So I had to wear, a, coat, I had to wear a, a shirt and a tie and sit in an office all day. Um, how many people think I was really good at that? Hey. Me neither. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much uh, for the two people that raised their hands in the back supporting me. Y'all, listen, I was an HR director. And so as an HR director, a lot of times what happens is that you have to put out ads. You have to put out stuff in the, in the paper. Uh, or sometimes in, back then it was in the paper because there was no such thing as Indeed and all that stuff, LinkedIn. And so I ended up, I ended up being an HR director and I'd put stuff in the paper. And so we would get resumes in. We would, get, we would get various things that would, that would come into us. Um, now, I always say this. It's, it's very difficult to get a good employee. Uh, you guys know that. It's very difficult to get a good employee. As a matter of fact, you, you really have to work with the person in order to understand what kind of employee they're going to be. Uh, but a resume is supposed to give you a snapshot of that person and who they are in their life. Um, and I've seen some very interesting things on uh, a resume. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a story. Um, I was actually working at this children's home as the HR director, and this, this lady came in, uh, and she basically looked like my grandma. All right? She looked like my grandma. And she had, she had a beautiful resume. It was on that, you know, there's a couple of different types of resume. There's the kind that's on the regular white paper. All right, and that's usually the guy starting out who can't afford the nice paper. You know what I mean? Uh, but there's some that's on that. I think it's called parchment paper. I think it's called parchment paper. Um, and it, it really, it, it was on parchment paper. It was really nice. It had, it even had her little, her little like initials. Like it was, she had had this stuff made and it was really nice. And so anyway, so Man, she had every, I mean, she had all the degrees. She had everything, like, just really rolling. And I'm going to hold on a second. James, can you cut me down just a hair? I'm getting a little bit of feedback up here on stage. Thank you so much. But she had everything listed down. I mean, she way was overqualified for the job that we were looking for. And uh, we wanted her to, to work with some students and some children. And long story short... Um, we ended up checking her references and all of those things came back. Um, and long story short, she, uh, she got the job. Um, so she got the job and, and, uh, she seemed to be really nice and, uh, she had filled out the application and the resume and started working with the kids, started going through training. And, um, as part of the process, we had to do a, a background check. All right, we had to do a background check. We had to do a background check that was both uh, local, state, and federal. Uh, and so we got the local background check back, and it was fine. And like the state and federal took a little while back then. Now you can do it instantly, but back then it took a while. So a week and a half after this 
awesome grandma. My, my, you know, I was gonna, she, was, she was already set to be my grandma. I mean, literally. A week and a half afterwards, I get the state and federal background check back. You guys, I thought that the police officer who filled it out had cut his finger and bled all over the background check. She had, I think, four DUIs. She had three uh, traffic violations. She had, I'm not kidding you guys, it was two pages worth of things. All of which would not allow her to work with children because she had to drive children around. She had to do all these things. All these things. Now, when we were hiring people, we went over very clearly, and there was a huge box at the bottom of the things that says, have you ever been convicted of, and it lists off everything, and you had to say no, 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 and then you had to sign it, and she did all that, because I was like, oh, man, I've messed up. I didn't give her that form. No, I gave her that form, and she signed it. And so we called her in, and we were like, um, and it was always awkward. It was like, hey, listen, this is what we found, and she said, she said, I said, were you aware of these things? I mean, did you know? And these were not things that were 30 years ago or 20 years ago. These were things that were recent. I'm talking about year, six months, year, year and a half ago. All of these things. And I said, did you realize these things were going to come up in the background check? And she said, yeah, I just didn't really think it mattered. And in the nicest voice I could, I said, it matters. It matters. Of course it matters. It matters. It's very difficult to find good employees. Let me share with you some things that I've seen personally on a resume. All right? Resume. I hate this. This is so true. And I've heard some of these as well. I won the third grade spelling bee under accomplishments. That was one that Wendy actually saw, and I saw too. Someone applied and said, what was your major accomplishment in your life? And number one was I was the third, gre- third uh, grade spelling bee winner. One person I saw online put down on their resume, if you don't hire me, I will kill your children. A little aggressive there. Another person put down this, put down... I have a 96% positive rate on my eBay feedback (laughs) on their resume. Seriously. Some of our young people will love this. I beat NBA 2K14 on expert level. That's a basketball video game. Under accomplishments, one person put down type 1 diabetic 98 to present. One person applied for a job and attached to their resume was the death certificate of the former manager whose job they wanted, and they said, here is proof that the job is open. Yep. This is an awesome one. I once received a pat on the back from the Dosecchi's man. Real resume. Another one said, I have very fast metabolism. I mean, unless you're going to be a personal trainer, I don't know if that does he, you know what I'm saying? Pretty much. And finally, this is one, I love this. I'm really, 
really, really good looking. All on a resume. So what is the resume for? Listen, a resume is supposed to tell the story. The resume tells the story about the person's what qualifications, what the, who the person is and what their qualifications were. And so today, today in the text we're going to look at, I want to remind you where we find ourselves in Hebrews. We're in Hebrews chapter 4 starting in verse 14 and here's where we find ourselves. The people of Hebrews, the people that are being written to, are, are Jewish people that are ready to give up on Christ. They're ready to give up and they're ready to go back and just say, forget this. This is too hard. I'm under persecution. I'm ready to, I'm ready to call it quits. They're very frustrated. They're, very, they're under stress and pressure. They're feeling defeated. They wanted to quit. They wanted to throw in the towel, but we've already looked that the writer of Hebrews has already said, whatever you do, don't throw in the towel. Don't do that. He's telling them, keep your peace. Keep your rest. Rest is found, as we looked at last week. Rest is found. True rest is found. Not eternal rest, because it's found in Christ as well. But true rest is found. True rest is found in going with a relationship with Christ and walking through, he gives us that peace. And that is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell them. But it's come to the point now in the story, in the letter, where it's time to show Jesus' resume. And that's exactly what he's going to do. As I start reading in verse 14 of chapter 4, So then... Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly, I want you to hear that, boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And then we start in chapter 5 and it says, Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in the dealings with God. He represents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses that is why we must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as the heirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants to and wants to have such an honor. He must be called by God for, for, uh, by God for this work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God, who said to him, You are my son, today I become your father. And then it goes on and says this, and in another passage, God said to him, you are the priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from, uh, from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as the, listen, the perfect high priest. And he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And you may be thinking, who's Melchizedek? Well, 
I'm going to tell you that in a couple of weeks. All right? Because what happens is that chapter 4 and 5, they, they, they open up this topic. And then the author closes it down for a minute. And then in chapter 7, he opens it back up and he expands on it. But right now, what he's trying to do is, he's trying to say, I want you to understand something. The reason that you will find peace... The reason you'll find rest in Christ is because, is because of the resume, the qualifications for who Jesus really is. Now, if you don't understand how high priests work, I want to explain it to you. Here's how it works. In those days, in those days, here's what would happen. The high priest, who was the one that, would, that was elected to be the representative for the people... The high priest would go, he would go and he would make sacrifices for the people. He would go before. As a matter of fact, we see some of this play out. We see these priests doing their their jobs. Actually, whenever we see the story of Jesus' birth, we, we see this, okay? We see this because the man goes in, he goes into the, the uh, he goes in to make the sacrifice, The angel appears to him and tells him he is going to have a son. And he tells him what the son's name is going to be. And he says, your son's going to be named John. And so, and he, he, because he didn't believe, he, his mouth was closed up for, for nine months. He goes in and he comes out and the people are like, what happened? He must have saw a vision. He saw a vision, but he couldn't speak to them. And we saw after John was born... He, he actually did name him John, John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner for Christ. Here's something very interesting that they would do. Once a year, they would go into the Holy of Holies, okay? They would go into the Holy of Holies. And here's something they would do. Because, because they were so fearful that, they would, that, that, that literally they weren't pure enough, the high priest wasn't pure enough, because they were so fearful, they would actually tie a chain around the ankle of the high priest. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies to make sacrifices for the people. He would go into and make sacrifices for the people. And they put the chain around so that if he was in there too long, that they could drag him out if he had gotten struck dead by God because of his impurity. That's what they would do. That's what they would do. So there was no, there, there was a separation and only one representative, the one that was what chosen by the people would be able to go into the Holy of Holies. The one chosen by the people would be able to go into the Holy of Holies. He was the high priest, the high priest who represents the rest of the rest of the community. And he would go in and he would make these sacrifices. And he would do that for, for the people. It's interesting because that's not, that's not, that's not the, really the level that Jesus came. Jesus far exceeded the high priest. The first thing I want to tell you is this. The scripture says, it says, there we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. He's talking about the throne of grace. The throne of grace. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. 
That's what mercy is. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You deserve condemnation. You deserve uh, death. You deserve, you, you know, you deserve scorn. You deserve punishment. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And we flip it around. Grace, grace is getting what you don't deserve. You don't deserve the mercy. You don't deserve to have the things that you have. You don't deserve those things. And God's grace gives you those things because he loves you. So the high priest did not bring mercy and grace. All they did is go in. And the scripture is saying Jesus' resume is much better than that of the high priest. The first way it's that way is because of this. And I want you to hear this. This is not a small deal. Jesus invites us to come near. The scripture says that we are to approach the throne of grace with boldness. Approach, remember I said, watch that, approach the throne of grace with boldness. Now, back in their days, they would not approach the throne of grace with boldness because they were fearful, and so they had a representative who was the high priest. They had a representative that would approach with timidity. He would approach fearful. He would approach those things with a chain around his leg just in case God struck him dead. That's not boldness. And what Jesus did, Jesus, when he came down, he said, no, listen, I want you to approach with boldness. I saw a documentary the other day. It was about, you may have seen it too. It was on social media. It was, it was about a dog. All right, it was about this dog. And this dog was very, very fearful. And this man saw this dog sitting in the corner and this dog would not let anyone get around him. Anytime someone tried to get around this dog, he would take off. Even when people have food, he would take off. And so the man decided he was going to take this dog on as a project. And so what he did is he sat on the sidewalk where the dog was. He took food and he put it about 15 feet up where the dog was. And he just sat there. And after a while, like all of us do, the stomach growl over, uh, over you know, outdid the fear and the dog got up and slowly crept over and got the food and went back to where he was. And then he slowly crept over and he got the food and he went back where he was. The next day, the guy went back out again. It was a cool, cool video. He went back out again. He put the food about eight feet from where he was. Just sit there. This dog would slowly come over. The next day, he did five feet. And then the next day, he did three feet. And then he just put the bowl right beside him. And then he put the bowl in his lap. And day after day after day after day, he trained, helped train this dog to finally where the dog would come to him. And at that point, at that point, he convinced the dog to get in his car and he took him home. A lot of us, a lot of us, that's how we approach God. We're not sure if we trust him. We're not for sure just not going to jump in his lap. <laughs> we don't know what. We don't know if we trust him or not. We don't know how we feel. We don't know. And so a lot of us, a lot of us will approach God in that way. A lot of us will kind of take a little, eh, let me see, I will go over here. Here's what I'm going to do. I just want to be over here in the corner of the sanctuary. I just want to be in the corner of church. And, and, and I just want to take a little bit of a bite and just see what's going on. Just see what's going on. 
But the truth of the matter is, is that God asks us to come with boldness and with grace. He gives us grace. And so, so we are to literally jump in the lap of God. Why don't we draw near? Why is it that he gives this invitation to draw near, but we don't draw near? Well, the first thing is, is we've made a bunch of mistakes. You know, we've made a bunch of mistakes in our lives. We have. We've made a bunch of mistakes. And our thought is, is, hey, listen, if my parents rejected me because of this or my whoever, my friend rejected me because of my mistake or I reject me because of my mistake, then for sure, for sure, God's going to reject me, too. That's what we think. Maybe we're fearful. That's the next thing. Maybe we're just too fearful. And the thought is, is that we are too fearful to come because we know God's not going to love us anyway. We're going to get rejected anyway. So we're not going to come forward either. We're fearful. You know, maybe we're like that dog. Maybe it's because of our past. Maybe it's because we've had some hurts in the past and we've thought things that we thought people would do certain things and they haven't done those things. And so what we do is, and a lot of people do this with our dads, we, we equate God with our father because we call God father. We equate God with our father and we think, well, my father was like this and this is the way God is too. He's the same way. But here's the truth of the matter. He's not the same way. He's not the same way. But we're fearful, much like that dog, to coming up to anybody because we've been burned, we've been beaten, we've been whatever, so much that we're not going to approach him. But that's not what God says. God says, listen, you, I, Jesus says, I want you, I want you to come near. I want you to draw near. I want you to see the difference, though. Don't miss the difference between the high priest's role and what Jesus is doing. The high priest has said, I'll go near. I'll go near and I'll report back. Jesus is saying, no, you guys all come near and we can talk right here, right now. Listen, I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking any, any other faith or any other religion or whatever. But I'm going to tell you, this is the biggest problem I have with the Catholic Church because I don't need any representative that's going to represent me to God because Jesus says that we can draw near to God, that we can draw near to God. You don't need me as a pastor to draw near to God for you. Okay, and let me tell you something else. God can speak to you as clearly as he speaks to me. He doesn't have to speak through another man. We don't need the only high priest we have is no one else on earth except for Christ. I want you to hear that. He is the one that he is the caveat through which we go. He is the one that goes. That's what he is. So that's what that, that's what we do. But a lot of times we don't want to do that. We don't want to approach him because we are fearful. We're fearful. Some of us think uh, that we aren't good enough. I'm not good enough. Here's a hint. No one is good enough. That's the beauty of grace. That's the beauty of grace. No one's good enough. No one is. No one is. But I want you to know something. We draw near to God because Jesus' resume is strong. His resume is strong. There's three roles that the high priest has. Here are the roles. The first one is the mediator between God and man. That's what the high priest did. He was the mediator between God and man. The next one is he would sympathize. He had to be able to sympathize with sinners. And the final one is that he couldn't take the, he couldn't take the role. He had to be called for the role. The people had to elect him. He had to be called to do that. He had to be called to do that. So what are the three? The mediator between God and man, 
the sympathizer with sinners, and he had to be called. He had to be called to the office. Can I tell you that Jesus' life on earth shows that his resume, his qualifications are way, way greater, way greater to be the high priest than any high priest that ever lived. How do I know that? Well, he was called not by the people. He was called by God himself. He was called by God to the office, not the people. It wasn't a popularity contest. It wasn't, hey, this person, uh, this person looks this way, this person looks that way. Let's go. As a matter of fact, if you really think about this for a second, those that were called by God in the scriptures, like Paul, like David, think about that. The, the, those that were called by the people, you know what they were? Screw-ups. That's what they were. They were screw-ups. Those that were called by the people oftentimes were screw-ups. But those that were called by God were always the ones that would come through. I think about David. You know, David's own dad was sitting there going, well, I got this son. No, he's not the one. This son. No, he's not the one. This son. No, he's not the one. This son. No, no, no. And he's like, look, man, the only thing left is the little runt kid, 13 or 14-year-old kid out in the field protecting the sheep out there. And he said, go get him. And when he said, go get him, he turned the corner. He's like, oop. Here he comes, right here. That's him. And Jesse was like, what are you talking about? He's a run, he's a litter. He's a run of the thing. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people think that David was a ginger. I think he was too. You know what I mean? It says he had a ruddy complexion. I'm going with ginger kid, all right? So here comes the ginger kid. No one wants a ginger kid to be the king, right? But that's who it was because he was called by God. What I want to get you to see is this. This is very important. If you look at Jesus' life, time after time after time after time after time, he sympathized with sinners. The woman at the well who he got real with, who finally admitted that she had, she didn't, you know, she didn't, not only did, you know, did she not have a husband, the, 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 the one she's living with right now is not her husband either. She had been married all these times and that person wasn't her husband either. But Jesus had sympathy on her. I think of Zacchaeus up in a tree. He was up in a tree. We little man was he, right? He was up in a tree. Listen, and people were shocked whenever he called Zacchaeus down. They were like, you're going to go have dinner with that loser, with that thief? You're going to go have dinner with that thief? We've made it a children's story, and that's great. I want our kids to learn. But the truth of the matter is, is that he was hated because he was a thief to his own people. He was a traitor to his own people. But Jesus sympathized with him. The woman caught in adultery sympathized with her as well. His qualifications were much higher than that of a high priest. But here's the reason. Here's the full reason why. Here's the full reason why that his qualifications were much higher. Jesus was not a representative of the people to God like the high priest was. He wouldn't go in and then come out and go in and come out. No, that's not what Jesus was at all. Jesus was a bridge to God. I want you to hear that. Here's what the high priest would do. He would walk up to the edge of the canyon. All right. All right. He would walk up to the edge of the canyon. God was on the other side and he would go, hey, God, 
Here are the things for the people here. Here they are. And he would shout over, because he could not, he could only come so close. He would shout over to the other side. Hey God, here are the things. I want you to know this. Here's the situation. We repent for this and we repent for that. That's what he would do. And then he would come out. And he had made the sacrifice for the people. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus came out, laid down his life to be a bridge so that you and I no longer had to shout from this side to that side, but we walked across the bridge and entered in and we came boldly to the throne. Boldly to the throne. Jesus wasn't just a regular old high priest. He was a bridge. He was a conduit right to, right to God. That's why his resume qualifies him to be much more than just the high priest. But here's the kicker, you guys, and I want to end with this. This is the most important thing in the world. You know, it's amazing um, Jeff Bezos started out working, I don't know, you guys may not know this, Jeff Bezos started out working at McDonald's. Do you guys know that Jeff Bezos, who's, who's the owner of Amazon, started out working at McDonald's, and he said he saw the process that McDonald's used, and he saw how you had to get things out very quickly. And he started looking at the components, okay, of getting things out very quickly. Jeff Bezos started working at McDonald's. And I could go on and on and on about successful people who worked in different companies and for different people. But here's the kicker. McDonald's had Jeff Bezos and they just had him flipping burgers. They did. They had this valuable tool and they had no clue. They had no clue. Jeff Bezos was way underutilized at McDonald's. Can we say that? He was way underutilized. Can I tell you that Jesus can do everything he's done? He can have the resume that he has. And unless you decide to use him, unless you decide to allow him to work in only the way he can do, you're going to pretty much get what you've already gotten and what you always get. You're going to pretty much have what you always have. You're going to pretty much experience what you've always experienced, and you're pretty much going to have a mundane life that's not going to be God's best. You see, listen, I can have the best employee in the world sitting in front of me, but if I don't allow them to do what they were called to do, if I don't allow them to be used fully, if I don't allow them to work in my company, in my life, if I don't allow that, then that, is, that to me, that employee is no good. A lot of us are walking around and we're saved, but we're not allowing Christ to fully do what he can do in our lives. Even though his resume strong this morning I want to encourage you to allow Christ to do 
what he can do. The best thing you can do for God is to get the heck out of the way and to submit yourself under him and enter into his rest that we talked about last week. Don't live your whole life never allowing Jesus to be who Jesus wants to be. That would be a terrible waste. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you so much, God, for your, gosh, Lord, just the amount of um, peace, the amount of rest, the amount of goodness, the amount of grace, the amount of mercy that you bring into our life. God, thank you so much for that. Thank you, that you, thank you so much that you allow us, you allow us to experience God on a deeper level, not because of something we did, but because of what you did in being a bridge. God, I'm so thankful that you're a bridge that we can, can literally approach the throne not because of our holiness, but because of yours. Not because of our grace, but because of yours. Lord, thank you so much. And I just challenge, Lord, pray that you would challenge the people here today to allow you to do what you're going to do. To allow you to be in their lives what you want to be. And to have them submit to that. And to live a life that's greater than they thought was imaginable. Lord, Let us not be people that just come, get a report from the priest, and then go home. Let us, too, come boldly to the throne. Let us approach it with boldness, the throne of mercy. Lord, as you do what you're going to do, we'll be very careful to give you the honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and let's sing a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.